2: Looks like it's about time for some more discourse about what's going on with the Bengals' right tackle position, plus some philosophical questions about, well, how should the Bengals prioritize their money with Joe Burrow, superstar quarterback? We'll get into that and more in today's episode.
1: You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.
2: What up Bengals fans and welcome to another episode of the On Bengals podcast, part of the On podcast that we're covering your team every day. You can subscribe to this show on YouTube or anywhere you get your podcast. We come in so you don't miss out when we have great content coming for you this offseason or had some great film reviews last week, for example, and become a first listener. Join that first listen club with the many other Bengals fans that make us their first listen every day. And James today. It's time for a good old fashioned lockdown Bengals mailbag, and we've got a bunch of questions to get to today, as we always do. And if you want to submit your questions for the future, make sure you're following at Lockdown Bengals on Twitter because that's where we look to compile our questions every time we do this exercise. And we're going to start with the right tackle conversation. James really picked up on social media over the last 24 hours or so, at least as far as I can tell. And Tasha B asked. Atosh would be 808 on Twitter. Are there any insights from coaches or what does your eye test or practices say about Jackson Carmen potentially looking good at right tackle? And is a Jonah Williams trade still plausible with well, Collins looking good on Instagram? So really this question gives us all we need to talk about to get into the right tackle conversation on on the whole.
0: It's a good starting point, right? And and let's start right with the guy who's lining up at right tackle, Jackson Carmen. Eye test wise best shape i've seen him in and you know much like you know we talked about joe burrow i think jamar chase showed up in tremendous shape t higgins this is the best shape jackson carmen's been in here's the problem is they're limited to what they can do and even in training camp when they can wear helmets and wear shells and eventually pads you don't really get a a huge uh, you don't get the answer a ton of questions when it comes to offensive line play and so right now, I can't say Jonah Williams is having a good off-season program. I think he passes the eye test because he looks like he's in good shape. Er, Jackson? Jackson, Carmen, excuse yeah. me. Jackson, Carmen. Um, but that, it's a perfect example. Outside of just being able to look at Jonah Williams, there's no reason to think that Jonah Williams isn't doing everything that Jackson's doing, that these other linemen are doing, and he's just doing it on his own. And I think that that's that's the part with Carmen where, yes, he's the one that's available, and so he's lining up at right tackle. I also think he's third in the pecking order right now for that starting right tackle job. The Bengals aren't going to come out and say that because he might end up being their starting right tackle, depending on what happens. Let's keep it moving then. Uh, A Jonah Williams trade. I think it's as unlikely as it's been, but I wouldn't rule it out. What if Lyle Collins does continue to improve and shows them that he is going to be ready for week one and and is going to be able to be the guy that they hoped he would be when they signed him last year and flashed at times last year? If he shows them that and then a team calls and, and gives the Bengals something of, of value for Joda, and I think that's the problem. They weren't getting anything of value. A 6 round pick doesn't do anything. They wanted value for Jonah Williams. It hasn't come yet, and so that's why he's still on the team. I don't think they're shopping him, but I don't think they would ignore phone calls either and send him to voicemail. I think they'll pick up the phone. So a trade could always happen. But what's going to be interesting is when minicamp starts. I think Jonah's going to report. That's what I've been told. And so if he does report, who lines up as that starter? Is it Jackson? Is it Jonah? And how comfortable is Jonah at right tackle? Has he been working and going through the footwork and the hand motion, all of those things, the technique that comes with moving from left tackle to right tackle? If so, I think he'll be the guy that, that lines up there until Lyle's healthy. And if Lyle's healthy, then it gets a a really interesting conversation, but we could also have the contract conversation. There's just a lot to it. And Jonah he there's no flexibility in his contract, and that's what makes it tough, I think, if you're the Bengals.
2: Yeah, that that's a big part of it is he's going to be on the team unless he's traded and he's going to be making 12 and a half million dollars. And the only way he's not on the Bengals is if, like you said, somebody offers something that the Bengals feel makes them better than Jonah Williams' presence on their on, on their team does this year. And There are a number of points that have been made about Jonah, right? In in terms of skepticism about his ability to play right tackle at a high level. One of them is he's not played right tackle before in the NFL. Well, one, neither is Jackson Carmen. Two, at least he's ever played right tackle in his life. He played his freshman year at Alabama at right tackle, played really well, won numerous Offensive Player of the Week awards both from the Alabama staff and from the SEC won a freshman of the week award in the sec as well i believe as a freshman true freshman starting a right tackle in alabama so it's not like he was bad when he had the opportunity to do it before and then you know the the concerns about his health well okay there's also major concerns about Lyle's health right now and i know he looks good on instagram and it's great that you're seeing that And i don't mean to take anything away from his recovery that's fantastic But LC also has to prove he can stay healthy, right? And so when you start to bring up these questions and poke holes in Jonah, you can start poking holes in some of these other candidates for that job as well. On the other hand, I think Jonah is a high-quality player. People knew that I was very bullish on Jonah last year going into the season, and I was pretty disappointed with the season. Mm -hmm. And I've also talked about, you know, he had a few extraordinarily bad games. Cleveland uh, twice in particular, stand out just atrocious games in pass blocking, and people like to bring up his sack-allowed number. Outside of that, I really don't think Jonah was a bad pass blocker for most of the year. He, he had spots where he wasn't great, and he had some really bad individual losses, but on the balance of his play, he was still a pretty good pass blocker most of the time. It was just injuries caught up to him by the end of the season, as as it happens, and he had a couple... Awful, awful performances against Miles Garrett, and that'll also happen. Yeah, and and so like your 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 options are Jonah Williams, who has a pedigree moving to right tackle and hoping that he bounces back to be the player that he was before last year. Lel Collins, hoping that he bounces back to be the player before he that he was before last year, which was by far the worst year of his career, right? And and had the most health struggles of his career, battling through them and didn't take him off the field, but. Then he had the ACL at the end of the year. And so you have those two options, or you have the totally unproven, you've never seen him play right tackle in the NFL, you've never seen him play right tackle in college, Jackson Carmen, who's trying to find his way out of the doghouse and into a starting job and trying to salvage the end of his rookie contract. Those are the Bengals' options right now. And in terms of who's healthy, it's got to be Jonah with the first team to start, and if a, if a competition brews from there because Jonah's awful there and he's totally forgotten how to play right tackle and they believe in Jackson, Carmen, great. The best player should win the job. But right now, Elsie isn't healthy. And so it's Jackson, Carmen, and Jonah Williams for minicamp, we think. And, and from what we've heard, I would think Jonah Williams is the first one to get the shot with the first team. A
0: couple things. One, I don't care what Jonah did at Alabama. Throw that out. There's a reason everybody's talked about how he, everybody, Dave Lapham, people within the organization, uh, every single uh, um, combine, it's been brought up. Would you consider moving Jonah to right tackle? Would you consider moving Jonah inside? Would you consider moving Jonah? It's because he's versatile. It's that simple. Nick Saban on the, the, two, um, uh, on the documentary with him and, and Bill Belichick on HBO, literally talking to Bill Belichick, it was captured. He can play anywhere. All five spots. That's what Nick Saban said coming out of the draft. So it's not far-fetched. And Frank Pollock, by the way, praised Jonah and believes he can Mm -hmm. move over to to right tackle. I think that's part of it. So that's one thing. The other is, is, so you have unproven right tackle Jonah Williams, young Jackson Carmen, who has been very underwhelming since being the, the 46th pick in the draft, and We'll see. Maybe he does end up being the starting right tackle. And a guy in Lowell Collins who, if healthy, and he didn't have that ACL, I just think he would probably be the right tackle. Mm -hmm. But now you have the ACL, and you have everything that went into getting him ready for game day last year, which was a lot. He didn't practice at all, at all, last year. And I'm not saying that's not the way to go, because if it is, if it keeps Joe Burrow upright, and he's good in the run game and is the player that he can be. So there's all these – things and, and so when i i, I look at it I just let it play out jonah yep. williams is the favorite because he is the guy that when healthy has played best most recently when healthy he does not he didn't have a suspension in 2021 like lel he didn't have a, you know a, the he had an injury riddled season last year so did lel and he's not coming off of nearly as significant of an injury and he's 25 and so when you mix all of those things in i think that that's that makes him the favorite plus his contract which matters too that said would it shock me if lel collins found a way out there and and, and made this a real competition no would it shock me if jackson carmen did yes because this is the same jackson carmen that has lost back-to-back training camp battles and i know it was at guard but that still matters lost back-to-back training camp battles one against a guy that is no longer in the league, and the other against a fourth-round rookie from North Dakota State. And I like Cordell Volson a lot, but there is no reason why Jackson Carmen should have lost that camp battle last year, and he did. So we'll see. But miss me with the, all oh, Jackson should start, because he played pretty well against the Bills. I think he was solid against the Bills, but that was one game.
2: It will be a bit of a competition. That's for sure. The best, the best player should win. I think we can all agree there. Whoever wins the competition should win the competition, and that's the decision the coaches will make as they watch a play out in training camp. Coming up next, we're going to talk about how the Bengals should allocate their resources knowing that they have a mega deal coming for elite quarterback Joe Burrow and more of your questions. We'll go there next.
0: Today's episode of Locked on Bengals is brought to you by FanDuel. And the NBA Finals are here. And whether you're all in on Jimmy Butler in the heat, maybe you think Nikola Jokic and the Denver Nuggets are going to get it done and win their first championship in team history. Well, you have to get to FanDuel right now because new customers can get a no-sweat-first bet up to $2,500. It's the perfect time to take advantage of this offer because – Well, FanDuel is America's number one sports book. And whether you're betting the money line, whether you want to take the over on Jimmy Butler points, the under on the Denver Nuggets, you can tell where my loyalty lies. I'm just kidding. Of course, Nikola Jokic is a beast, back-to-back MVP, and has a chance to become the NBA Finals MVP. So if you want to wager on that or anything else, NBA Finals, Major League Baseball, you need to get to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on and get your no-sweat-first bet up to $2,500. That's Fandle.com slash locked on Fandle, official sports betting partner of the NBA. Is
1: your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for mock draft Monday on the locked on NFL draft podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
2: James Exo at Cincy Boy 23 has a bit of a philosophical question. Mm-hmm. If Joe Burrow is a true superstar quarterback, we think he is. <laughs> I'll edit this to say we know he is. Wouldn't it be better if they took that T. Higgins extension money and and just put it in the defense instead and let Joe Burrow elevate receivers like Tom Brady did?
0: Well, there's a, a big reason why Tom Brady left. Let's start there. The reason he left New England, a big reason, was because he was surrounded by guys my size trying to catch passes, and he got sick of it, and he wanted to throw to a tree like Mike Evans and have a reliable slot like Chris Godwin. And, and also added Antonio Brown, which worked for a year. And we could go on and on uh, about the receivers and, and weapons he had there. Obviously, Gronk as well. Weapons are the league now. So if you're going to sell me on getting rid of uh, you know, what I think the Bengals view is their 1A receiver, you can because Joe Burrow is a superstar. And Jamar Chase is better than T. Higgins. And I'm not sure it's necessarily close, even though I do think T can be a one in this league on other teams. So you can sell me on that idea, but here's where it falls short, because it's hard to find good players at any position. So to say, oh, well, I'm going to throw that at defense. Well, it sounds good. Well, which which veteran are you spending that money on? Are you sure that that veteran is going to have the impact that T. Higgins has? Are we sure that the Bengals are going to be able to replace T. Higgins with a a quality receiver? Because you still need quality. You might not need superstar level or star level. And I think T. is a star, but you need something like that. It's just, it's hard for me to say, subtract this really, really good player and go find another really, really good player because you want to structure the team a certain way, especially because this offense is as reliant on three receivers as any offense in the NFL, so to me, no, I would keep T. Could you sell me on the philosophy? You could, but you better get it right because we know T. Higgins is really good, Mm -hmm. and even if you sign a player on defense that's been really productive in this league and is going into a second contract and you just think, oh, he'll be a perfect fit, well, maybe he won't. Maybe things will change. Maybe it doesn't work out. I know T. Higgins works here in Cincinnati.
2: Yeah, it would have to be like a specific player. Right. Like, who would the player be that you would invest to say 20 million, 25 million, whatever T. Higgins is going to make in 2024? In and where my brain goes is it immediately goes to like elite edge rusher, second contract elite edge rusher. So Chase Young has a major comeback year this year, and he's suddenly a free agent. And you think you can get Chase Young on your team. All right, maybe maybe that makes sense, right? You can get some player like that. Nick Bosa stays healthy, continues the the career trend he's on. Josh Allen, Ed Rusher stays healthy, has a productive year, has a breakout year, a really good year. Those are the kind of players where you could try to make an argument and say, okay, well, you could get a, a Von Bell style player, Khalil Mack level player on your defense. But like you said, James, this offense is designed around 11 personnel around having really good outside receivers. And would they be able to survive without T Higgins? We've seen that they can survive without one of those guys. We've also seen the efficiency of the offense at various times diminish when they lose one of their three receivers. And, and, you know, the comparison to Tom Brady thrown in there, it's not like Brady didn't have weapons one different era of football Two. His best year, when they went 16-0 and 0 in the regular season, I know they didn't win the Super Bowl. It turns out it's hard to win the Super Bowl every year, even when you are a really, really dominant team. That was a Randy Moss year, right? The, the insane 50-touchdown, 23-Randy Moss touchdown year. And, and then after Walker. that, Yeah, and, and Wes Walker, uh, who later had an all-pro year when Gronk had an all-pro year. And then the, the Patriots went a different direction, right? Like, they went to the 12 personnel, the Aaron uh, Aaron Hernandez. I mean, Her- Her- Hernandez? Yeah, I was blanking a little bit. Rob Gronkowski, two tight ends, Wes Welker, all pro years in there. It's not like they didn't have guys for Brady. It was just a different philosophy, a different offensive style, a different era of football. And then when, when Brady won in Tampa, of course, they, they had guys again at receiver. Like he had dudes at receiver. The Bengals designed to have dudes at receiver. And, and so it would take a major offensive philosophical change, I think, or just continuing to hit in the draft, which I've been really good at hitting in the draft for wide receiver, but that that's a a big gamble, right? And so there's all these unknown factors where you know T. Higgins fits, you know he's good, you know he works in the offense, which it's one of those things where maybe you could argue we're we're being resistant to change, but also you know it works and you know it's gotten them very far, and so. It seems like something that you wouldn't want to risk. I'll
0: just, I'll just give you an example. Chase Young could have 2,000 sacks this year, and there's no way I would sign him over re-signing T. Higgins. 2000, 2,000? 2,000? 2,000. I wouldn't. No. A ton of injuries. Hasn't been productive throughout his career. Oh, wow. His, his fifth-year option gets turned down, and he plays well for one season. That is such a huge game. That's a perfect example. Because it'd be like, oh, yeah, Chase Young, he's coming here and the pass rush is going to be nasty. Like, I could already feel it. I get it. I would rather have T. Higgins. I can't believe that's a take, but I- I'm just planting the flag now. And really regardless. a
2: lot of sacks. There aren't even that many snaps in a season. That's he insane. could have
0: 2,000 sacks. I-, I promise you I would not. It- like, no matter what Chase Young does, I would have rather have T. Higgins over. even Including if I'm Washington, which is probably why they're entertaining trading him. But yeah, outside of like this dynamic-level player, it, and we haven't seen the best of T. Higgins yet. I think that's the other part of this, and that's why there are going to be teams. I think the Jaguars are going to get in. If, if he becomes a, a free agent, they'll try to, to pay him big money and reunite him with Trevor Lawrence. I think there'll be a lot of teams that go after T. Higgins, and that's why you can't let him hit the market. And whether you resign him or, or you tag him next offseason and, and, and do it that way. I I will say this just on T's future. It cannot end up like Jesse Bates. Mm -hmm. Like I would not be okay with that where you just let him play it out. And that's it. Like next year, if you realize that something's not going to happen and you tag him and you go up to that deadline and it's still not happening. I want some assets for him because he's worth much more than a third round compensatory pick. And this way you're not hamstrung. To, to what you sign or don't sign in free agency from a compensatory part of it. And, Especially uh, a
2: wide receiver. Wide receiver, just so much more valuable right now.
0: No doubt. For, I mean, he's, a a like a he's worth I, a one plus. He's worth a one plus. And he would be if you tagged him, by the way. He still would be, assuming he has a good year this year, which I think he will. So, yeah, that's where we are on T. We have a ton more questions to get to, two and two segments, but those were some long-form ones. We'll uh, do some rapid fire coming up next.
1: They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.
2: You've got a fun one to start, segment three, James. This is tapping into your knowledge about the Cincinnati Bengals players other sport, multi-sport history. Cincy James at Cincy James83. Who hits a home run in batting practice first between Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase? And is there anyone else who you think would win that sort of contest on the roster? Because I think there are some pretty good candidates on a team full of
0: freak athletes. Joe Burrow would beat Jamar Chase and hit a home run. Joe Burrow, I believe. So that answers that part. Other guys that could absolutely rake. This is a fun one because, I wonder, I wonder how many of these guys, you know, played baseball and I I would name a couple. I think Irv Smith jr. Would be a guy that, that played multiple sports and could do that. I think, and you mentioned, you know, some of these linemen, I'm thinking, let's just say offensive linemen. I think Orlando Brown jr. Would crush the ball. He's so big. There's so much force. I think he would crush the ball and i know he didn't test well athletically well that's because he's big he's a great athlete for his size i think that's fair to say because there are just aren't guys that big and and so in baseball i i think he would be one i would roll with other guys that that i'm just i'm just kind of thinking here i wonder if drew christman would be pretty good hmm. i i'm just thinking like really outside the box about guys that people wouldn't think about i think tyler boyd would be good in uh, all of these guys, Chase, Chase, uh, Jamar Chase would be as well, um, especially if you give them some reps. Who Who else would be sneaky good? Brad Robbins. I bet Brad Robbins would be a good baseball player.
2: Brad Robbins has the the baseball face. Man, every time Brad Robbins comes up, it's, it's a mustache. Gets me every time. Your face time.
0: lights up. Oh, uh, you, you know the other one? You know the other
2: Miles one? Miles Murphy.
0: I was going to say Juan Juan Drago. That oh, dude yeah. is going to be Ricky Henderson. He's going <laughs>
2: He's going inside to the Parker.
0: The just first to third on a single. He's going to turn singles into doubles. Billy in batting practice
2: inside in, the park he... home run in batting practice. Let's go. There we go. <laughs> uh, but but I, my thought, my, my brain immediately went to the freak athletes on the defensive line. Like miles yeah. Murphy being a just an absolute freak. And when you're that big, plus you're that athletic, the amount of quick, quick, twitch force you're going to be able to get into a baseball swing. You hit one the right way, you're gonna hit it a long, long way. So like guys like Miles Murphy, who you said you, you think he played baseball, right?
0: I'm pretty sure he did. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Miles Murphy played baseball. And like
2: guys like Trey Henderson and, and Sam Hubbard, like those really big guys that had the quick twitch to him, I could see all of them doing. And DJ Reader, of course, played.
0: He pitched, but sure. The dude's a monster. I, I, I'm pretty sure Murphy I know he played baseball now that I think about it. I'm pretty sure he said he threw ninety miles per hour there you at go. one point. Like, that's just freak stuff, right? Yep. That's <laughs> unbelievable. Um, who, else, who else would be? Joe Mixon would be good. He's a freak athlete. You would think. I mean, most
2: guys that are big, athletic, strong, and twitchy should be able to hit home runs given enough like repetition. Right? Uh, Andre
0: Yosevash would be interesting. Yeah, an Olympic a level perfect, athlete, sure. Perfect center fielder. Like, oh, like six two can cover so much ground. Yeah. Woo. Let's field a baseball team.
2: Just just caught with baseball
0: fever, huh? Nah, not really. It's a football town.
2: Yeah. Anyways, nice. but
0: uh well, it depends on where we want to go. I'm gonna go to Jared. Uh, do you expect the defensive line to rank higher in sacks pressures this year compared to last year? And do you have any concerns about the depth on the defensive line, specifically the interior?
2: Yeah, back to a bit of a serious football question here. I think the interior defensive line we talked about a lot where they could add a piece there. I thought that would be the direction they would go as far as adding a piece in the draft if they they were going to add a defensive lineman and they went the edge route instead. I I think, though, and Lou Arumo talked about this, I think, with Mike Hilton and and Kelsey Conway. When you have a bunch of dudes at edge – You can put them on the interior, too, in some situations to get them all out there together. And we've talked about that NASCAR package, talked about that immediately when Miles Murphy was picked. Lou talked about it, too. You know he's thinking about it. You know they're thinking about those packages. So I think there's certainly a path to being more consistent in closing out sacks. I think they were pretty good in terms of pressuring the quarterback last year. I don't think that was really an issue. Uh, it was it was really the conversion rate. They they left some sacks on the field. So there could be some regression there in a positive way, like regression toward finishing more sacks. You could certainly see that. Wouldn't surprise me, though, if they're looking to add something on the interior. That being said, the world where they don't do that is a world where they feel really good about putting extra edge guys on the field, like Lou's talked about, like we've talked about.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think... And there was another question, let me shout out who it was, Alex Zabonic, at Zabonic Alex on Twitter, biggest concern area on the team. I think you Mm -hmm. could say, interior defensive line, is that, just because there's some question marks there, and who will it be? You could go a few other areas, but there aren't many, and so I I think it's a bit nitpicky to to look at any unit, really. I mean, heck, they have two punters competing, and I, I know we expect it to go one way, but we just led the show by talking about three right tackles mm-hmm. and three options that at least two of the three feel pretty decent, if healthy, I would say, regardless of how you feel about the order. Like they're pretty deep at a lot of spots. So could they add someone? Maybe. I think they're done spending on the defensive line, though. They mm-hmm. spent, they, they have a lot of money there, man. A they lot do. of money. And, and so we'll see, but there, there aren't many concerns with this team. And they have pretty good depth.
2: Just on that note, the Bengals are spending the sixth most money on the edge rushing position in the NFL this year. And that includes a first-round pick who's not getting paid a ton, but is a first-round pick. And on the interior defensive line, I think it's like 10th most. On the defensive line combined, then, you can imagine that number ranks pretty highly. Uh, a fun one, James, for our next question from Bullet Smasher at Bullet Smasher one Over, under... Hall of Famers on the current Cincinnati Bengals roster. So projecting out into the future, is there at least one Hall of Famer on this roster, James?
0: Yeah, I think there's two. I think there's two. And Hall of Fame is, put it like this, the Bengals have two Hall of Famers total. Mm -hmm. None of their quarterbacks are in. None of their receivers. And they've had good quarterback play throughout their history. And they've had really good receiver play. And yet are you telling me that Joe Burrow isn't going to end up in the hall of fame? Like if I had to bet, I wouldn't bet against him. Not not on the trajectory he's at Mm -hmm. because there hasn't been a trajectory for any of the quarterbacks. And I've just done, I did a project on all of them. Boomer, Ken Anderson, Carson Palmer, Carson Palmer didn't even get on the field as a rookie. Now that was a mistake Mm -hmm. looking back and he should have, but he didn't get on the field as a rookie. Boomer was battling Ken Anderson, Ken Anderson, wasn't even the starter necessarily had to to fight for the starting job going into his MVP season. Joe Burrow is on another level. And uh, I think, and that's not necessarily Ken's fault. There's a lot of stuff going on, but context matters, but point is the point. So yes, I would say Joe. And then I think back on draft night, probably more often than I should. And usually it's when he catches a deep ball or is doing a gritty in the end zone. And Jamar says, Dan Hort sits up there and it's like, what do you think about joining an organization with such great receivers? And he named AJ and Chad. I'm going to break every record they have. I was like, in the moment, I was like, I can't believe he said that. And yet here he is doing exactly that in, on a crazy pace. And so I would say they have two. I think it's those two. Could they have more? Maybe. And I'm not here to make people mad. Hall of Fame is really hard to do, right? Mm-hmm. They have zero Hall of Famers in my lifetime. Zero. And they, that might continue until Joe or Jamar. But if I had to bet, I would, get, I would bet those two. I think Gino should get in before those two. I don't think it's as obvious as I, – I, I've talked to some people across the league and I get the all-decade team stuff. I don't think it's as obvious as it's, some Bengals people have made it.
2: It's, it's one of those things where he played for the Bengals. That's going to be held against him. Didn't have the postseason success. It's going to be held against him. I think he's a he's a clear Hall of Famer, personally, my personal opinion. I'm sure. maybe one of those Bengals people who you are talking I, I've about.
0: I've I've asked about it. I've asked about it. I think Andrew Whitworth is the other one where he Whit, helped himself by leaving. Willie and, and still
2: has a chance. Willie's been potentially building momentum the last couple of years. In Hopefully my head, Willie, Willie is
0: in. He'll be in. I think yeah. he'll be the next one in. But there might not be. I think Andrew probably gets in, but. I don't know about Gino. I think it's more of a coin flip than you realize.
2: I, I don't think it's a sure thing, but I think he's worthy of it. Sure. He was the best in sure. his position or, you know, in the top two of his position for a very, very long time. Anyway, I, I'm also taking the over the, the way that they don't end up with at least one hall of famer on this roster is like things go really, really badly. And, and it's like a world. I'm not even going to speak into existence. Because if things go the way we think they're going to go, they have at least one Hall of Famer on this team. Right? I mean, that that's pretty simple.
0: Yeah. I, I think if they get the ring, if they get the, the MVP, I think Bro at some point will win an MVP. Like Ken Anderson, if he wins in 1981, wins the Super Bowl. He's already He's in. probably in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Boomer Esai is in there right now. I mean – it is in the conversation. He's not even in the Hall of Fame conversation right now, but he would probably be if he had won Super Bowl twenty three. So it, it, it's the same thing. I, I think part of it is is Burrow has had postseason success. He has now. He hasn't finished it, but my God, he's taken this this franchise to new heights. So yeah, I think worst case it's one. Hopefully it's like five. Hopefully this is like the the golden age where we're talking about Joe, Jamar, T. Uh, you know, if you, you want to say one of the heck, Orlando Brown plays for the next 10 years and is is just sure. a super elite at left tackle. Hey, sure. Take it.
2: Last one, real quick. We did a James question. We got to take D-6. a Jake question. Yeah. At Jake underscore duh underscore rake. Speaking of guys that can rake. If you could use magic to do one mundane task for the
0: rest of your life, what would it be? Mundane task. Who is it? Laundry. Might be folding laundry. Might be cutting the grass. I, I, I would just say, I, I would say if you haven't seen the yard. Uh, I would say all of the la- the landscaping, right? All landscaping. The the, the the outdoor maintenance mm. stuff like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. that one. Because it takes time. Laundry stinks, but you could do it while you're watching TV. And people say, oh, well, cutting the grass and doing all that stuff, you could do while you're listening to a podcast. By the way, shout out to those that are doing that right now listening to us. <laughs> At the same time, it takes a lot of time when you have – I don't have a giant yard, but it's not small. And so it, it takes time. So that would be the one. Yeah.
2: I think I'll, – I'll go the laundry route, folding and putting away laundry. And I don't know if it's mundane – but working out—if I could use magic to uh-huh. do my workout for me—talk uh, about time-consuming things. Um, that, Are you serious? See, I'm the I opposite. Mean, I need that. I'm like Burrow. I need that mental. But you would still—you would still get it. It's just that magic would do it for you. Nah, I no. That's fine. I enjoy it, and, th- and that's—I don't—I I don't. I don't- dislike it i've grown to enjoy it actually as i've been doing it like i've been very consistent this year as you know and like to make fun of me about um but what look uh but that's like six hours a week i think that that i could get back that's pretty good pretty good time saving there. laundry is like once a week
0: sure and and that's why i said laundry you know I'm doing all of the yard stuff. I don't always fold every piece of laundry. If so. I could
2: use magic on the yard for all the landscaping, all the grass, all that stuff, like take care of re-staining the fence every year, all that stuff, like, yeah. That's,
0: up. that's great. Yes, that, that's the part where I... Now, I, in I real life, for sure.
2: instead of magic, it's just money. So, so that, that's your option to do it if you're not doing it yourself. Anyway, that's going to do it for this episode. Mundane we'll task on. work. Just have someone work for you. Well, but this is my job, and I like this. I'm not having That's Magic true. do this podcast for me.
0: Or AI. Nope.
2: Pass. I Can't agreed. replace us. That's going to do it for this episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. OTAs next week. Jay and some of you have minicamp. We'll have your coverage of Bengals OTA open to the media next week. Until then, day, and have a good one.